Hey, dude, this dog like stinks, man. Okay, groomer, do something about it, man. Hello, you pet stylist. You found the Groom Pod. Welcome to our virtual salon. My name is Susie, and I'm your host. I'm a mobile groomer from Seattle, Washington, and anyone who knows me will tell you I love to talk, especially about my job. One of my favorite people to talk to is my friend and mentor and co-star of the show, Miss Barbara Bird. Hey, Susie. So happy to be here today. I've been looking around at moisturizing shampoos, and I can't wait to share with everybody what I've found. I'm excited to learn all about moisturizing shampoos on episode 403 of the Pod, recorded February 18th, 2024 in Snohomish, Washington and Tucson, Arizona. This podcast is brought to you by our kind sponsors, Best Shot, Show Season, Precision Sharp, Groomore, and Stazco. And if you guys would like to support the show, and we always love it when you do that, you can go to our website, thegroompod.com, and hit on the donation button for Barbara to help her with her move and all that cool stuff. And you can also join us on Patreon and support the GroomPod show. So as Barbara alluded to, this week we're going to talk moisturizing shampoo and we're going to talk about the questions you might ask a new client. So what's new this week is brought to you by Groomore Software. If you haven't found Groomore, you're missing out. Groomore is an all-in-one software solution for your grooming business. Whether you are a solo mobile groomer or manage several shops, Groomore has everything you need. 24-hour online booking and forms, routing, credit card processing, reminders, Google Calendar and QuickBooks integration, and so much more. And the best customer service anywhere. Shop mobile or house call, Groomore has you covered. And they're giving us a free month. Just enter GroomPod22 in the coupon code. Oh, Barbara, guess what? There's a new podcast out. And it's not for groomers. Yeah. Well, I know there's new podcasts every day. I know. <laughs> there's so many podcasts now. But there's a podcast that's being put out by groomers for pet owners. So when people say, oh, I want to listen to the groom pod. And you say, well, it's, you know, a lot of technical stuff. You can say, but our friend, Chrissy Newmeyer-Smith, along with her friends, Denise Hero and Lisa Herbold, have started a show called the knowledgeable pet owner and it's a really neat show they've had a few episodes out and i listened to it the other day it's very good and it includes chrissy newmeyer smith and her perception of behavior and it talks a lot about consent grooming which is something that i've been working on a lot so speaking of consent grooming the pomeranian is one of my nail stressors that we talked about on here before who has horrible nail anxiety. I also have a poodle with horrible nail anxiety. And she is really good for everything else, but she doesn't have a warning. She just will go right at you if you touch her feet. Luckily, she forgives. Oh. Yeah, I know it. Oh, unpoodle. <laughs> exactly. Very unpoodleish. Uh Last week we were talking and we like to do her about every other month, not more often because she really doesn't enjoy the process. So she gets an easy haircut. We try to make it quick. Mom doesn't want to do any maintenance. So we do her every eight weeks, but her nails kind of really need to be done every three or four weeks. Definitely. So I mentioned it to the owner last week. Well, they've taken it out of my hands and they're having their local vet do the nail trims every three weeks. So I have been freed. It's like getting a raise, Barbara. <laughs> and speaking of consent grooming, when you have to do something to the dog, you have absolutely no consent from the dog. It sort of messes with any other negotiations you might want with it sometimes it's a deal breaker you know i've had dogs that when in the days when we would pull the hair out of the ears i had dogs that that was absolutely 
a deal breaker. It's like, you're not my friend. You did that to me. And the nails can be that way too. I've got my one of my own dogs that nobody can do her nails but me. I have to be there to hold her because she just totally freaks out. She's not going to bite. And if she did, she doesn't have any teeth. But she could have a heart attack. You know, like, no kidding. I feel like it damages my relationship with them, especially if I'm working with a behavior dog. That's right. Now you you have that negativity part has been removed so that you can have a more positive interaction with the dog and, and they'll negotiate with you more likely. The first thing I noticed with her when I first took her over from my friend Sharon was that Sharon bathes completely different than I bathe. I use my bathing system on every dog, whether they're tiny or whether they're big, and I just adjust the amount of pressure that I'm using. But I think Sharon used hotter water, for one thing, and I also know that Sharon did a lot of hand massaging. Well, I don't think Mimi was all into the hand massage or the hot water. She she wasn't into it. So the first few times I put her in the bathtub, she was all teeth and trying to get away from the water and biting at the water and I had potential of her swallowing a bunch of shampoo, which, you know, that doesn't come out. Well, it does come out very easily later, but it's not pleasant. <laughs> There's propylene glycol in it. Right. I never connected that. Well, it's a humectant on the skin, and it's a laxative in the gut. So I got some colder water on her, and I used the bathing system so I didn't put my hands all over her, what must be arthritic body, because she's an older girl. And now she doesn't mind the bath at all, and now that they've taken the nail trim away, I'm just going to be her best friend and cookie dispenser, which is the way it should be. I like to be your best friend and cookie dispenser. So how's the collecting up your stuff and getting out of the shop going? Oh, God, it's agony and it's not going well. <laughs> so glad you asked. Okay. <laughs> oh, man, it's a really hard time. Now I'm moving along. It's been six weeks since I closed the shop and I haven't turned this space over to the landlord yet. There's still things to be removed, cabinets, cupboards. Now, I moved them in there. I can move them out, but you got to empty them. And there's still items. There's still stacks of magazines and books. And there's still drawers full of shit. I am stuffed with stuff. It sounds like you need a break. I got an idea. Let's you and me up and go to Georgia for the show season tent sale. Hey, talk about it. Ever wondered if those buzzword-laden labels really mean anything? All natural, soap-free, organic? How much trust should you put into these marketing terms? And how can you confirm that the ingredients inside the product actually match the claims on the label? Join Barbara Bird on March 7th at the Show Season Tent Sale in Tucker, Georgia for a live educational seminar you don't want to miss. Barbara will be debunking common industry myths and investigating the truth behind good and bad ingredients in pet care. This is your chance to learn what science tells us about some of the most commonly used ingredients so you can truly understand the product labels and separate the fact from the fluff. And that's not all. Get ready to rev up those grooming van engines. Join me for a lively talk about the roller coaster of running a booming mobile grooming business. I'll be dishing out top-notch tips on going mobile, remaining profitable, and building a pack of positively delightful tail-wagging clients. This isn't your run-of-the-mill business class. I'll be serving up my juiciest real-life tales from years as a successful mobile groomer. You'll have a doggone good time while soaking up the secrets you need to rock your mobile grooming game. If you're excited to elevate your grooming business, all while enjoying major deals on top-quality grooming supplies from Show Season and Groomers Mall, register for this free event today. You can learn more about this exclusive event for groomers by clicking the link at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash group slash the groom pod, or going to Show Season Animal Products on Facebook. 
And if you're going to attend in person, you're not only going to get to see Barbara do her ingredient thing as the curator of ingredients that she is, you're going to get to hear me speak at lunch, which should be fun. But on top of all that, Barbara and I are going to make an appearance wandering around the trade show floor at Groomed as well on Saturday. So look for the two of us together. But most importantly, if you are going to come to the tent sale and you're a Groom Pod listener, be aware there's going to be a giveaway just for our listeners and it's going to be great so make sure that you check yourself in when you get to the tent sale and ask about the giveaway so this week the only other thing that happened to me while i was working is the negative wire to my generator battery yeah frayed it <laughs> frayed it just disintegrated and there wasn't even any mice or rats involved no mice or rats or anything. To the credit of the wire, it's held up pretty good because the generator moves around quite a bit in the back of the car and it's got to go along with it. So, you know, <laughs> it does get a workout back there. But it finally disconnected completely. And I was at assisted living in the parking lot and I had the dog already and the lady was gone. So I tried to think of ways that I could get the generator to start because it no longer has a pull cord. It disintegrated like four years ago. So the only way I can start it is with the battery. So I grabbed one end of the negative wire and I thought, well, if I just touch the part of the wire that's still connected to the ground on the other side, that I could probably get the battery to come on and jump it. So I told my client to go across the sidewalk and over to the next house while I tried not to blow myself up in the, in the back of my Explorer. I know. I was able to touch the wire over and get the battery on and start it and work that day. But then I had to find myself a new ground wire. So I went over to the wonderful guy at the generator repair place that's near my house. Actually, he does like lawnmowers and all kinds of small engines and he's mostly commercial. And he's just a really nice guy with a Pomeranian that I've groomed a couple times. So I went over and I asked Harold for uh, a ground wire and he made me one up. But he said, if that ever happens again, use your negative jumper cables and hook one end of your jumper cable up to the negative part of the battery and the other end of the jumper cable to the ground and you're good to go. So I tried it and it works. So there's your mobile tip for this week. If your generator battery disconnects and the ground side, you can use your jumper cables. This is what it's like to be a mobile groomer. You have to think on your feet and on that note, let's move on to our first appointment. Let me tell you about Best Shot's newest addition to the Ultramax Pro line. Ultramax Hair Hold is a flexible hairspray that can be layered on for a stronger hold. Ultramax Hair Hold Spray is great, but my favorite new product is called the Max, and I won't groom without it. It's a fragrance-free ultra-concentrate conditioner and detangler. It reduces drying time and handles undercoat and tangles like magic. Just a few drops in the final rinse or spray it on and dry it in. Contact your favorite Best Shot distributor or learn more online at bestshotpet.com. Grooming success begins with Best Shot in your tub. Made from the best stuff on earth. Ready, groomers? Here comes our first appointment. It's been a long time since I've actually had an open call to accept new clients. But occasionally, someone will refer a client to me, and I'll have to start from day one with this client. And I had an epic fail on my intake on this particular client. And it happened to be my brother, who is 10 years older than me, his hairdresser. She had two small dogs, and she just wanted to kind of learn how to touch them up in between their grooming. Well, I stupidly didn't realize, nor did my brother tell me, that she was actually looking for a groomer for her three dogs. So I said she could absolutely watch me, and we would go through some tips and tricks, and I would show her what is included and suggest a book she could get so that she knew what she was doing. Well, she has also got her mother's dog. And I should have figured out that she was looking for an actual groomer 
because I really didn't have a spot for three dogs. But I liked her and I liked the dogs and they were easy. So now I just added three dogs that I didn't want to do. So I need to make sure I never make that mistake again. So I thought we could talk about things I should have said before I ever took these dogs on. <laughs> oh my goodness. She's a lovely lady though. So I think that the first thing I like to ask, and you can tell me what you think about this, is has your dog been groomed before professionally? I think you get a lot of information with that. Yeah, that's a good one. I generally start out with tell me a little bit about your dog because people love doing that. And that actually sets a relationship and process with me and the client. And I'm being a listener, you know, so I'm not being the questioner. I'm being the listener. I interject things like, well, boy, he sounds like quite the character. <laughs> you and I might know what that could mean, but we can go from there. Yeah, I do ask about, has he been to the groomer? Especially if I get some kind of inclination that he doesn't like grooming. Like, what's been your feedback from other groomers? And you know what? Some people tell me they've had no, zero feedback from their groomer. I don't know, but they used to have to keep them all day. Like, oh, what was that? After I do this kind of informal and non-judgmental kind of uh, listening, I can ask very direct questions like, has he ever bitten anybody? That's a big one. <laughs> you know, and I ask, what's he like at the veterinarian? Also great. Because they have to be fairly intrusive. Um Usually, the owner is right there. So the owner has observed how the dog behaves at the veterinarian. That's a question that I often will uh, use. This is a perfect spot for me to bring in the four questions that I learned in my behavior class. Very helpful questions, especially when you're talking about a dog that may potentially not have an enjoyable time with the process. We do scary things. Grooming is scary. It's not normal movements. It's not normal noises. You're not here, their regular person. So I asked these four questions as recommended by Chrissy Newmeyer-Smith. And the first question is, what does your dog do if they don't like something? Does it run away? Does it hide behind you? Does it attack? What does it do if it doesn't like something? The second question is, what does your dog do if they don't like something you're doing to them? So a direct question about the dog's behavior with how it interacts with the owner when it's not happy, right? Then what does your dog do if you don't stop doing that thing? Like for instance, a nail trim. If your dog kind of gives you a little lip curl, maybe when you're doing the nail trim and you back away, that's one thing. But if you keep trying to do the nail trim, what's your dog going to do at that point? The fourth and final question, and this is the kicker, is what do you think your dog's going to do if I do something your dog doesn't like? And that's really helpful to kind of get an idea of what the dog's behavior is like. So I use those four questions, although I did not do that with the hairdresser. <laughs> wah, wah, my own air. I'm going behind the scenes here about your brother's hairdresser, your brother being 10 years older than you. I don't think he has a whole lot of hair to dress. Actually, <laughs> he's got a full set of hair. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. And he goes all the time because he's vain. Oh, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's always been a little bit vain so I always ask up in the like when I'm asking about if the dog's been groomed before it's a good opportunity like you said to have that back and forth conversation like how often do you like to have your dog groomed that's an enlightening one because they could say oh a couple times a year and you'll be like all right then <laughs> I ask questions about what are you attached to regarding your dog's appearance I love that one. That's how you get the long ears or the tail or the cuteness or, 
you you get a sense of what they're attached to, what makes them look at their dog and love it. What do you like the most about how your dog looks? That's a great tip. And that helps you uh, make styling decisions. Do you ever ask what they do at home as far as grooming? Like, do you bathe your dog? Do you brush your dog? Do you trim the nails? Sometimes. Yeah, that's a good one. It helps you decide again the styling, just like you were saying, because if I find out that they don't want to do any brushing, if they go, oh, <laughs> brushing, no way, man, I don't do any of that. That's going to be a determinator for how long I'm going to leave the hair or how long in between the haircuts are. And when you're a mobile groomer, it's hard to fit people into your schedule, especially three dogs. Those will end up being done on my day off, but only maybe a couple times a year. So that's fine. She can do them the rest of the time. And that'll work. So I'm not completely crushed about that. But those that's important information for your scheduling. Even in a shop, you don't want to find out it's a weekly dog and you don't really have a spot for a weekly dog. So those kind of questions help with that. And you were saying about the preferences the owner has. I'll sometimes say, what did you really love that your last groomer did? Or what did you really hate that your last groomer did? And, and pictures, pictures of your dog when it was in the perfect groom. Pictures, I love them. Yeah. I remember when I used to resist pictures and even pictures of how you wish your dog looked because then you can explain that ain't happening, ma'am. <laughs> the dog doesn't have the right kind of hair to do that with, but uh, yeah, I love pictures. I welcome pictures. And nowadays, they can have the pictures on the phone. And they often do. And then there was the period of time which I had pictures of my grooming on the wall. And they could see what they liked up there and uh, or what they didn't care for. I mean, some some people just don't want no fancy stuff. They're my favorite. <laughs> but for me, that's a deal breaker. Yes. Come on, you know. <laughs> what about my artistic needs? Excuse me. <laughs> I want to, but I never have asked for the credit rating. But you can't really ask that. Do you bill? Uh, sometimes. I, I don't bill unless I know I'm real well and know that they're not going to stiff me right i've stiffed a couple of times one time it was a doctor with two afghan hounds ouch and he was like leaving town <laughs> that was adios <laughs> oh man other time it was a guy and i had a sense of this it was in the days of hiv the early days of hiv when that was fatal and um, it was a last groom before he died and uh, he didn't pay and I didn't care. I would have happily done that dog. But he didn't say he couldn't pay. I would appreciate the uh, option of doing your dog for free or not. Yes, I totally respect that. You want to let people know, but I think we're all kind of compassionate people and would probably not mind doing that. So as a mobile groomer, I have to ask a few extra questions. I have to suss some stuff out. One of the things I got to suss out is, have you ever used a mobile groomer before? Because a lot of people don't know what to expect and there's more explanation in it than just I'm going to show up at five o'clock because that's not how I work. I'll show up sometime after five o'clock. <laughs> you got to find out how flexible the people are. I think that it's important to ask uh, what kind of dog you have in the conversation on the phone because people have the strangest idea of what their dog is and it's really kind of fun to see what they think their dog is and then what the dog actually is when it shows up but it gives you a little indication of what you're going to work with i had an ongoing argument with a customer sometimes what you say just makes me remember things that i've forgotten i had an ongoing argument with a woman who insisted her dog was one thing and it clearly was another breed. And, um, you know, she ended up leaving me 
and and it was just because I wouldn't acknowledge that it was what it wasn't. <laughs> sorry, bye. People are funny. People are funny, especially if it's a rescue, because oftentimes they will pick the this extraordinarily rare breed and say it's a salty milto or something. I said, excuse me. This is a mutt. <laughs> this is obviously a pit bull mix. <laughs> Can't you see that? <laughs> the, the one that I had, it was a poodle mix, and she was trying to tell me it was a Kerry Blue Terrier. Oh, dear. Yeah. Didn't even have a curly coat. It was just a shaggy dog. <laughs> and she's, trying, she's insisting because of the size of the dog, that it's a Carrie Blue Terrier that she rescued, you know, like, <laughs> no, it's not. I couldn't have done a Carrie Blue Terrier groom on that dog if, if my life depended on it. Well, if my life depended on it, I would have come up with something. But I, I, I. It's funny, people's perception, because the other thing that you've got to know as a mobile groomer, depending on what you're doing as your uh, like weight limits is how much does the dog weigh? But people don't really know what their dog weighs. Oh, that's the truth. <laughs> the concept of what they think their dog weighs is funny. I got the platform scale and people wouldn't use it. <laughs> they don't want to know. The whole idea of uh, weight management was going to be a service that they engaged in. By I would be weighing their dog every time. But, uh, oh, no, the vet says he's okay. Well, the vet doesn't want to confront them. Your dog is a fatty either, you know? <laughs> so, anyway, did I tell you the story about the dog where I, I think I mentioned it here on the groom pod a little while ago, where I left whiskers around the mouth because it was undershot and then the guy says you cleared my dog right yeah you gotta find out what what are the deal breakers sometimes it was taking anything off the tail or eyelashes eyelashes yeah eyelashes and then i had a little uh kind of jack russell mix and she grew a little kind of something on top of her head. Like a mohawk? Well, it wasn't a mohawk. It was just a sticky uppie that she had on the top of her head. And I clipped it off, and it turns out that I removed her unicorn horn. Oh, no! <laughs> I removed a dog's mojo once. I didn't realize it was his mojo and I took it right off. <laughs> <laughs> Some things you learn the hard way. So there again, pictures of what they like, of a grooming that they've liked or a grooming that they haven't liked, you know, like pictures, pictures, pictures. You cannot resist it. I mean, it, it it's not worth resisting. It's more beneficial than it is insulting. Yes, I agree. Pictures are just a gift these days. Before pictures, it was much tougher. So there's like just a couple other things as a mobile. Where do you live and what's your parking situation like and what's your power situation like? Those are more essential for trailer drivers than it is for van drivers. But nobody wants to groom on an incline because it's bad for your knees and your feet. And it doesn't do my haircuts any good either when I got to leave hair and it's all lean in one direction. <laughs> I have enough challenges. And the other thing is important for mobiles is what's your schedule like? Because I have a difficult time keeping my mouth shut at the appointment. So I run late. But it's part of my charm, and people expect me to sit down and just chat with them for a minute or two unless I have something else really important that I have to go do. I make the time for people because sometimes I'm the only outside person they see. So knowing that you're okay with me being late if I talk too much is pretty important for grooming clients for me. So know your own business and your own parameters and make sure that people will fit in there because you don't want to make somebody an unhappy client. 
Barbara and I both forgot to mention an important question that we ask, and that is, are there any allergies or skin or ear issues? And how about fragrance? Does the human or the dog have any issues with fragrance? These are important things to know going forward. Let me ask you this about mobile grooming. Have you experienced any people who are using mobile because they're alcoholic or drug users shouldn't be out and about? I've not had any experience with people who are upfront about that. There are certainly people who at four in the afternoon shouldn't be out picking up their dog. They had one of those alcoholic women have a crash pulling out of my shop. And yikes. Yeah, yeah. I one of the my clients I figured out she had Alzheimer's because she couldn't start the car. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. When I delivered pizza, there was a lady who lived across the street from the pizza shop who would answer the door in a t-shirt and nothing else. <laughs> and it wasn't a long t-shirt. <laughs> It was awful, and we all knew about it. So when the orders would come in, we'd all fight over who had to go to her house. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, my God. When I was a mobile groomer, and that was all of six months, I did have a couple of shut-in clients that you wanted to do them in the morning. And um, my experience was really different than yours because you own your business, and you can schedule as you want. But I had an 8 o'clock dog, a 9.30 appointment, an 11 o'clock appointment, and it was before mobile phones. You had to get to the next appointment, you know, by the time that you were scheduled, and you had to leave in order to leave room for driving to the next place. And it was really hard because it's not so much that I talk a lot with my, especially back then, but I fussed over the grooming more than the other people in the business did in that particular uh, galloping groomer outfit. They're doing little shave downs and a cute face and on to the next one. And I'm scissoring the schnauzer according to the uh, breed standard. and. It was hard. I had one woman invited me in and it was my last appointment of the day. She invited me in the house. She said, sit down and have a glass of wine. And I did. And it was my biggest mistake because then she started talking about her dogs and I let it slip that they were little assholes. Oops. Because I'd had a glass of wine and they're, well, they're little brats. Um, and um, never saw her again. <laughs> yeah, I'm an overshare, definitely. I definitely overshare as a mobile groomer. But like I say, people either like me or they find somebody that shows up on time and they don't have to talk to. Because I'm definitely part of your family. And I'm definitely Miss Personality. Yep. And I learned that again when I closed shop and people came in to say goodbye. We always enjoyed coming here because we enjoy you. And um, that was so flattering. And then, and that was such a relief because I'm pretty loose with my humor and I dropped the F-bomb and stuff like that. One time, uh, the local entertainment newspaper did a story on me about that I was the singing dog groomer. <laughs> I had to put an ad with them and I marketed myself as the singing dog groomer so they did this little story about me and actually some of the bigger newspaper got that story and came in and took two pictures of me and big thing about the singing dog groomer and i would get these calls hello are you the singing dog groomer i said yeah yeah i'm barbara they, well just what kind of songs are you singing to my dog what <laughs> people are crazy <laughs> yeah, they may wanted me to be singing about Jesus. I'm sorry, don't have a playlist. <laughs> <laughs> you just never know. 
You just never know what you're going to be singing on, on any given day. <laughs> well, that's what we like about our job is that you never know. That's right. It's not a factory. It's not a run of a sewing machine. It's you never know. <laughs> I think that there should be way more emphasis on trades in our society. Trades are important. Grooming is a trade. Oh, I agree. People are always going to need to be plumbers and to build houses and to be electricians and to groom dogs and to cut hair. These are honorable occupations. Be a plumber. I would never want to do that. <laughs> Me either. But a shampoo chemist and an ingredient curator? I think so. <laughs> Let's take a break. We want to welcome Randy and Cheryl Lowe from Precision Sharp and invite you to check out their website where you can see their newest precise cut shear called Lynx. It's a patented design featuring a thumb ring that slides the length of the handle for perfect ergonomic placement of your thumb. Slide it and lock it into position to get your best groom on. Check it out at precisionsharp.com. Groomers, take your seats. It's time for Bee Bird's Classroom. We are so lucky to live in a time where you have targeted ingredients for specific needs. And today, we're gonna talk about moisturizing shampoos. Barbara, Miss Curator of Ingredients, I'm passing the microphone to you. Well, thanks, Susie. It just came to me. Oh man, why don't I just kind of take a look at different shampoos that are marketed as moisturizing shampoos and see what's going on ingredient wise with these products and i have five products five different brands of moisturizing shampoos and they're different this is going to be fun almost all shampoos and definitely all conditioners have some type of moisturizing uh, value, ingredients that offer moisturizing. And those that are especially marketed as moisturizing usually have a greater concentration of those substances in them or have several uh, interactive substances that offer moisturization. There's two elements to the process of moisturizing. One is drawing moisture to the surface of the skin and our hair. And the other is preventing moisture loss from happening from within the skin or the hair. And we know that dry hair and dry skin is often a cause of coat problems or skin itching and, and subsequent skin problems. So moisturizing is very important. And shampoos themselves tend to remove lipids and oils. The skin is mostly an oil-based substance. It absorbs oils it welcomes oils. Skin and hair welcome oils, especially the skin does. And so there's the question of, if you add oils to a shampoo, which is a cleansing and removal system, are you just removing and pouring that oils down the drain? It would seem like that. It's a good question. It would seem like that. And I think I even said that in a pot recent podcast, but the truth is that oils can be deposited during the rinse of the shampoo. And it is because they are held in suspension in the shampoo system by emulsifiers that mix the oil into the water-based shampoo. When you rinse out the water, the oils then drop out. You mix the emulsifiers out and the oils just drop out and attach the surface of the skin. Now you, you're not gonna have a lot of oils. You're probably going to have 
more humectants um, like glycerin is the most common humectant. Glycerin is a byproduct of the soap manufacturing. It's um, very hygroscopic. It draws water to it. And it's very cheap. It's inexpensive. It's affordable. Um, another one is propylene glycol. Propylene glycol has replaced glycerin in a lot of shampoos because it's a little more efficient. Uh, glycerin, if you put in too much, it's going to be sticky. It gets tacky. We've, we've talked about that. Um, sometimes if it's in lotion and you got too much glycerin, it's tacky to the touch. We don't want that. We have humectants. Oils help to prevent moisture loss because they coat the skin or the hair. And so do uh, ingredients like silicones. Silicones seal the surface of the hair and they prevent moisture loss, but they allow air and, uh, and other small particle things to go through. And uh, the same thing with skin. They will hold moisture to the skin. That's why I like to use a silicone and hyaluronic acid on my face because the hyaluronic acid plumps up my wrinkles and the silicone holds it in place and it stays there and it uh, becomes a makeup base kind of thing. Well, I'm, I digress. So I just took a look at several shampoos that were marketed uh, for moisturizing. And one of them that I found was Hydra Moist Shampoo. So what are the moisturizing components of this shampoo? Guess what? There's one. And it's oat extract. So oatmeal? Oat extract. It's not the colloidal oatmeal. Now, Chris Christensen day-to-day -day moisturizing shampoo it's colloidal oatmeal and then it also has peg 75 lanolin which they call lanolin oil peg 75 and the interesting thing is sometimes they put the lanolin oil on one line and the peg 75 on the line below it so you can think that maybe it's two ingredients you got to look carefully for your commas in ingredient lists. And the thing about Chris Christensen is that they're kind of sloppy. So oatmeal, I think of it as a irritation soothing agent, right? Or an itch abiding. Yeah. Anti-itch. Well, it is that, but it's also, and it's main uh, how it functions is as a moisturizer. Now, I also looked at show season hemp oil shampoo. I've used that before. Yeah, it's a good shampoo. It uses hemp seed oil and sunflower triglycerides, which are in all of the show season uh, shampoos. And avocado oil, a dash of avocado oil, I'm going to say. So that's kind of a fairly uh, complex system. And it does qualify it as a moisturizing shampoo. I looked also at iGroom Argan Plus Vitamin E Moisturizing Shampoo. What does it contain? Aha. Uh -huh. Propylene glycol is one of the first five ingredients. So it's leaning on the propylene glycol as a humectant. And it also, are you ready for this? Has hydroxypropyl bis-hydroxyethyl dimonium chloride. I said that. That's an impressive word. I'm going to say it again. It took up a line and a half in my notebook. 
hydroxypropyl bis hydroxyethyl dimonium chloride. It is, and you want to know the laugh that I got, the LOL? In, in one description, it is called derived from coconut. <laughs> oh, man. Classic. Hydroxypropyl bis hydroxyethyl dimonium chloride. Oh, yeah. Coconut. Yeah, naturally, <laughs> naturally natural. Yeah, right. Here's what's unique. Here's what's great about this ingredient. It's the dimonium chloride. It's a quaternized ammonium compound. It's a quat. It's ah. made cationic, so it's very substantive to the hair and skin. It clings it does not rinse off and you actually have to shampoo it off next time uh, the chemical supplier has tested it against several common humectants and it's highly efficient humectant but it's hardly natural this is just where the joke is about natural it's Great, great, great granddaughter was coconut. You know what I mean? Great, 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 great. Hydroxyethyl bis, yeah. bis hydroxyethyl dimonium chloride. Ethyl in there means that there's some ethylene oxide. There's some petroleum shit going on in this ingredient. I'm not dismayed because... This is really a, a rather advanced uh, humectant. And it's interesting that it's still in the eye groom shampoo. So they didn't like get rid of all of the interesting ingredients, just some of the more costly ones. Now, the final shampoo that I looked at is uh, Ives Saint Bernard Caviar a moisturizing ingredients. Now, they don't market this as moisturizing. That would be too simple-minded. They market it as luxury maintenance shampoo. Ooh. It costs three times the amount that any of these... I mean, Hydra Moist Shampoo is $60 a gallon. Um, even the eye groom argan and vitamin E. Vitamin E is not a moisturizing ingredient, people. It's an antioxidant. It's a good ingredient, but it's an antioxidant, and it keeps the shampoo from spoiling. Ives San Bernard Caviar has ingredients. It's got glycerin. Well, hello. Then it has tolerable lentiferia, lentiliferia extract, sea grape, also known as grape seaweed. It's an algae, also known as green caviar. So this is a, a sea algae extract. Because they, it has this term caviar, they can charge a couple of hundred dollars a gallon for this stuff. It also has uh, linseed acid, linseed oil acid. Linseed acid is just fatty acid from linseed oil. So it's kind of an oil component, going to be a moisturizing ingredient. And it has in the conditioner, they have propylene glycol, glycerin, linseed acid, and the sea grape. So it's kind of a fancy shampoo, but is it really worth like more than $100 a gallon? I don't think so. Probably not for me. So what do you think? There's nothing really surprising other than the hydroxypropyl is hydroxyethyl dimonium chloride. Now I can say it real fast. <laughs> I love pronunciation. Ingredients are just friends whose names you can't pronounce. Right. <laughs> so I say, let's learn to pronounce them. 
Fantastic idea. I like it. It's what we do on the Groom Pod. We say multi-syllable words. I think there's a, a definitely a place for moisturizing shampoo, but we do need to recognize that uh, there's no standard of what really it's like hypoallergenic or these other kinds of names that they put on there. There's no lines to be drawn on what is and what isn't that. You can have a moisturizing shampoo that has just an oat extract. That's all. Oat extract or colloidal oatmeal. The Chris Christensen day-to-day with colloidal oatmeal, it has a generous proportion of colloidal oatmeal. And I can say that because I was selling it on my retail shelf and I noticed that the oatmeal, I assumed it was the oatmeal, fell to the bottom of the bottle and was a good couple of inches on the bottom of the bottle. So that's a substantial amount, probably more than 1% you know, maybe 2% or 5 So when wouldn't you want to use a moisturizing shampoo? When you're going to scissor? Mm, no, not necessarily. That's where you w- might not want to use a conditioning shampoo. Okay. And if, if there's a lot of oil, it could make the coat of, it could be heavy. Okay. And so tell me this, when would you choose a moisturizing shampoo? Is it for damage? It's for dry hair. Dry hair. It's before damage. Okay. None of these things have things that are going to repair or or pretend to repair a screwed up hair cuticle or skin barrier. Those are specialized products of another nature we can cover that in another lecture maybe next week when who knows cool you want to use a moisturizing shampoo if your sense of touch is telling you that the dog's coat or your hair is dry if it feels kind of coarse and what have you and you also might want to use it Um, If the animal has a tendency towards flaky skin or signs of dry skin, I was just thinking maybe that's what I should use next time on my Maltese because they're kind of overly licking and chomping on their legs and there's no visible reason for that to happen. So I'm thinking maybe it's dry skin. Sometimes the easiest explanation is the truth. Yes. It doesn't always have to be an allergy. Words of wisdom from Barbara Bird. Thank you for being here, as always. Thanks for listening to the show. Thank you for supporting the podcast and for supporting our sponsors. And let's get together and do it again real soon, like maybe next week. All right, everybody. Happy grooming. See you next week on The Groom Pod. Bye-bye now. Take good care of yourselves. We love you. And remember to come to the tent sale.